When was the last time you watched a baby learning to walk? How many times did they fall before they succeeded? We as humans are meant to fail. We're meant to try, 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 and fail, 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 until finally we succeed. There's something to be said for natural ability. Some people are born with an innate talent or something extra. But Thomas Edison tried a thousand times before inventing the light bulb. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. Albert Einstein couldn't speak until age four and couldn't read until age seven. But they overcame setbacks and learned from failure. Just like the rest of us, they became successful in large part because they learned how to fail. This is the Mind Spark. Welcome, this is Feely. I'm joined here with Daniel and Jason, and welcome to this episode of MindSpark, where we're going to talk about failure and why you should be okay with it. So my question would be is, why do we want to talk about this topic? Why, why do we want to talk about failure and a growth mindset? I think it's because we have a lot of we ourselves and people that we know have been held back by the concept of failure and by it being this barrier to happiness or barrier to progress that oh, I can't I failed at that it limits us mm-hmm. it is a barrier it, it's not the failure itself but our view of it yeah it's not something physical either it's, it's a mental barrier that physically stops us I think also the perspective that we 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 don't understand or accept that in life this is this happens to everyone you know and we're all going to fail we're all going to have hard times we're all going to have disappointment just as it's as important to be happy it's just as important to be sad it's just as important to feel uh, inadequate you know you know as a, as a as a species probably at a point that that had more of an effect on us I don't know what, what I'm trying to say but what I was getting at is um, you know I, I, I view I view this as an important topic because your inability to cope with failure will really hamstring your life it will really uh, will destroy your motivation and it will um, stunt almost your your ability to grow and progress well you see people that that they run into a a failure or they they fail and if you they don't know how to treat it or cope with it it causes them to redirect themselves they say well that I'm, i'm not i'm obviously not going in the right direction i need to change something and they'll redirect themselves and they'll try that. And because they never really stuck with anything long enough, they'll never overcome and progress. They'll just keep changing focus, right? I'm going to try to be a chef. And that didn't work. Okay, well, I'm not good at that, so I'm all, i am I got to throw that out the window forever. And now I'm going to go and try and be a plumber, you know? And, well, it turns out I didn't do very well at that either. And so it's like, well... You're, you're never actually saying, I'm going to stick with this, I'm going to learn what I can, I'm going to get better, it's going to be hard. 
but in the long run, it's going to be beneficial. Instead, they just they they seem aimless, right? So I think it's accurate that they make a change. They understand that part of it. That a change right. has to be made, but the change they make is so drastic that they lose all the learning opportunities of the very small changes that they should have probably been making instead. Well, I, th- I think we need to be more test pilots in life. You know, you look at test pilots and how they'll go and they build this plane and they, f- they give it to a test pilot to fly the plane and they say, this went well, this didn't go well, I had to eject and it crashed. So we need to change this, you know, for next time. And then they do it again, and they do it again, and they do it again. And every plane that we ever see is the result of who knows how many iterations of a plane. Who knows how many tries, who knows how many failures. And it's not that they said, all right, here's this fighter jet we made. Go fly it. And they fly it, and they're like, no, that didn't work, and I crashed it. And they're like, okay, here's a 747. Now go try that. You know, it's like, whoa. No, 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 no. We're not. That's not how it works. It's like you were mentioning earlier: incremental changes. All right. Well, let's change this wing shape. Let's change this cockpit layout. Let's make it a little bit different and try again and try again and try again and have that that grit, that resilience to continue until we reach the final product. Um, it's not, you know, fighter plane didn't work. Here's a Boeing seven forty seven. Here's a tugboat. Here's a motorcycle. You know, and you. If you, if you continue to change that drastically... Change for the sake of change right. is not the right change. No. That's what you're saying. <laughs> no. Uh, it, it actually lends itself to greater failure and more frustration on your part. Yeah. You know? I, I think another thing with failure that we fail to do <laughs> is that sometimes we're like, Okay, I failed. I'll learn from that and move on. But then we actually don't actually learn from it. We don't actually take the time necessary to study how we failed, how we didn't meet our expectation. And we just move on and we just try again. When I think a really important part of it is, okay, I I didn't hit my expectation. What, What went wrong? And then actually taking the time and looking at the data, looking at yourself and going, okay, look at your surroundings, look how you did it. Is there anything I could have improved on? And, and that's the, the whole part where you're studying the actual failure, right? Well, instead of just saying, I'm going to try again, say, okay, what am I going to do differently this time when I'm trying? And, and those are the small little you know goals that we have to make in our own lives to fix those small little things and like okay let's try it again but this time instead of talking to these people this way I'm going to talk to them this way or I'll come across this way or you know I'll get up 15 minutes earlier or I'll go to bed you know a half hour earlier just those little things and don't go you know gangbuster crazy with changing everything at once just, I think that's also a, a huge danger, though, because people think, I failed. I got I to gotta really take this seriously. I'm going to move to a different city. Yeah. I'm going to change my hair color. I'm going to, you know, do all this stuff because then I'll be successful. Yeah. If I just totally change my paradigm, you know, it's like, well, no, maybe. But maybe you will just go through a lot of effort to fail again. Yeah. 
and then it's going to be and it's going to hurt that's that going to be double more. right it's going to be double failure because you're going to be like I made all these changes and I still failed well yeah all you need to do is start to look at in a little bit of the minutiae right yes what what went wrong what changes can I make that will actually have an impact on the outcome not just you know, I need to quit eating Wheaties and start eating Cocoa Puffs. You know, that's not going to make a difference. And I, and I think you need to look at that more often than we normally do. I, I look at, you know, at the beginning of every year, everybody makes a list of what they're going to do and change. When do they look at that list again? I mean, maybe a week later, maybe a month later. With Three months down the road, they forgot they even made a list. And then at the end of the year, they're like, oh, I think I made a list or here's my list. I just found it again. Look at all these things I fell at. I didn't even do any of them. Oh, I'll do better next time. But I think we need to make small adjustments and then we have to review them a lot more regular than we do. Yeah, but I also think there's there's a lot of reward in completing something that's difficult. Yeah. And there is a something within that journey that you learn about yourself, you know, uh, memorization could be a great talent that they have and they can ace most tests that require memorization of dates and times and people which is most of the school nowadays and they can do a great job at that with minimal effort and then you compare yourself to them and you think what's wrong with me but you don't know what strengths you have that they don't you have this very limiting uh, mindset in our culture where everyone's path has to be the same and we don't appreciate that we're all individuals. We all have varying strengths. And so we use this one-term failure to explain a wide variety of reasons why something didn't work out as planned. Um, you know, I, I admire people who continuously look at failure as an opportunity to adapt and overcome and improve and those people they, they seem to just they seem to be successful at everything but it's not that it's not hard for them it takes effort but I think it's almost like everything else it, it's you, it's almost like a mental emotional muscle the ability for you to cope with disappointment to cope with with uh, you know a setback when things do not go your way how do you rebound from that? And, and, and that's the trick is you need to get back up. And as cheesy as it sounds, you know, how many times you get knocked down, it's not as important as many times you get up. Well, there's some truth to that. How, how many times are you willing to have grit, to have the, to, you know, to not give up, to, to stand up and try again? It's one thing to try the same strategy over and over again and get the same result. It's a different thing to adapt your strategy and say, well, this time I try this, I'm going to try this, and I'm going to change this. And that can be scary because, you know, it, it takes some humility and it takes some knowing yourself and, and realizing, hey, I need to change. Maybe I need to change me, not just my strategy. Maybe I need to change my habits. Maybe coming home and uh, doing nothing and sitting in front of the TV all day is not helping me when I present at work and people are saying my presentations were ill-prepared. Ill so let's, let's talk a little bit about failure and what failure is and how it's measured. Well, yeah, how do you know you've failed? At what point, <laughs> what point can you say, 
this was a failure. This this didn't work. Um, I think that a lot of it has to do with the expectation that you have or the other have other people have of the outcome, and when you achieve it, you see it as a success. Sometimes, if you make it most of the way, you might view it as a, as a success. Someone else could view that as a failure. You didn't accomplish what we set out to do. Yeah, but I did do this. So it's not a complete failure, right? <laughs> so, so to have failure, there has to be a measurement of some kind of expectation. Um, either that's set, expected good or expected yeah, outcome. It's either set by us or it's set by someone else. So like in a working you know, business or at a school, they usually set those expectations whether we fail or succeed. But we have a lot of failures or success in our own lives, but we are in control. We set those expectations for ourselves. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the setting of expectations, realistic expectations, as milestones in your, in your plan, in the, in, you know, as you, de- as you implement your goal and you deploy your strategy, the milestones are just as important. You could say, hey, you know, I don't know how to swim. And that's the honest truth. I want to learn and compete in a swim meet. What are the, you can't go from zero to 100. You have to, you know, I need to learn how to swim, first of all. <laughs> and part of that may have other categories that come along with it. Like, I need to get in shape. Maybe I need to do cardio to swim better. Maybe I need to change my diet. Maybe I need to change my sleeping habits. Maybe I need to make time to prepare about swimming. Maybe I need to hang out with people that swim. Maybe, you know, you can't just say, I want to do that in zero to 100. And then you're, because you're setting yourself up to disappointments. It's like, and then, and then you can have incremental goals and say, you know what? This month, I'm going to do this one thing. And, and you chip away at it. You know, I don't know. That's how I like to approach things. Um, you know, some people like going all out. And they just jump in the deep end and, and they hope they don't drown. So where does this idea of failure originate in us? Where does that come from? I don't want to blame my parents. <laughs> but I think, it, I think it comes from... from when you're a child and there's this expectation that you know that they have of themselves and that they have of you as a child and maybe it's not like I expect my child to be walking by this this age but they see studies show that by you know 12 months your child should be doing X and by 18 months your child should be doing Y and so they're there they have this expectation and as you're getting older and you're attempting things on your own and they're measuring how you're doing you know they're kind of so, so in a way you're saying it's it's comparable data based on what we've previously known yeah so amongst all of these toddlers at this age most of them can do this if yours can't do that work a little harder or become a little worried right um, I, I, I know it sounds horrible but. yeah but I think it's also necessary um, because 
you know, if a, if a kid is shooting a basketball and, you know, the parent's like, yeah, you have to throw it into the hoop and then they throw it and it comes, you know, four feet short, they're not going to be like, good job, you made it. You know, they'll be like, good try. Keep, keep, you know, you got to throw a little harder or something like that. They, they'll give them encouragement, but they also can't just say, you did it. Yeah. Because then you're, you're creating this, like, if, if they just said, you know, anything you do is a, is a success, then you're creating a, an equally bad problem, I think. So I think what you're saying is that a balanced view of failure, a person who understands it in a healthy sense, understands their own strengths, what has been done right, and they understand their deficiencies. What can I do better? And the strengths don't lead you to being overconfident and a jerk and, and uh, glorying over people. But your deficiencies also pointing them out and understanding them doesn't leave you unmotivated. And, 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 um, you know, and I think as, as parents go correcting their children, <clears throat> or as they go kind of helping them understand, you didn't quite make it, you know? They need to not toxify that by saying, by using their own experience and their own bias of, you failed. They need to just say, you didn't make it this time, but here's, try this next time. Or if you, if you keep practicing, you'll do it. I think a lot of times it's, you know, as people with experience, we look at kids or even others that we know, at our peers, and because of our own failures and our own biases, we look at it and we're like, oh, you didn't make it. This is probably isn't for you, you know? And they might be thinking, well, okay, but I want to do this. I want to keep trying. But they're telling me I failed. Maybe I shouldn't do this anymore, you know? And we've, we've kind of poisoned the water. So here, here's a question for you. Most people I see highly unsatisfied and that don't handle not just failure, but they don't handle obstacles or or um, you know uh, any kind of resistance, any kind of obstacles that come up in life. Um, they f- they f- the first thing almost the first thing they do is go externally. It's the institution's fault. Mm-hmm. It is someone blame, else's fault. Yeah, it's the blame game. So our whole lives we grow up that if you're a failure, it was your fault. Like if you had to babysit and something happened while you were babysitting, you're considered a failure and it was your fault because you were in charge. So we grow up with that our whole lives. Anytime there's a failure, there is a fault. And we attach those two. And so to defend ourselves, what do we do? We play the blame game and we blame it on something else. Well. This happened because of this, or I couldn't finish this because of this person didn't turn this in. We always look to blame someone else because we don't want to be the person who's at fault. So at what point does taking responsibility come in there? Because I think at some, the, the opposite would be a parent that says, you know, my child got an F on this test but I'm not going to put it on them. I'm not going to tell them, well, you didn't study or you stayed up really late playing video games or whatever. I'm going to tell them, it's okay, honey. You did, you did what you're supposed to do. It's the teacher's fault. 
the teacher didn't teach you well enough. And there's people like that. Right. And so, <laughs> but, you know, at some point they need to be like, no, you need to take responsibility for this. You did not do it. You did. You, did, you failed. And that's on you. Right. Um, the fact that we treat it like a terminal problem. You failed and there's no recovery. That's the biggest issue. Yeah. Because it's okay to, to say, you know what? I take blame for this. I did not succeed. I failed. And I take blame for it. Or um, even the institution can say, we, we don't blame you for having done this. We take blame for it. But then it's like, okay, that's not the end. You know, you can't just say, blame assigned. Okay, that's good. We're, we're, we're good to go now. Yeah. It's, oh. what, what are you going to do after that? You know, I've, I've seen this, especially online and in, 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 um, social media and, and brief interactions with people. People are so quick to say, life is hard, life sucks, then you die. You know, that, that kind of sentiment. And, um, and, and a lot of it I, I see from people who feel unfulfilled. You know, how do, why, do you, why are you unfulfilled? You know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfectly happy and fulfilled in everything, but I like being happy. I look for ways to be happy, and I look for ways to be at peace. And I know I'm just as ba- bothered with false praise <laughs> yeah. as with criticism that's unfounded, right? You know, I, I could pre- create a great presentation, and uh, it missed the mark, and I can think, okay, that was great. I need to do something better. Or I can throw something last minute and people can be very generous and nice about it. And I can still feel not okay with it. There, there's something within us, like Jason, you were saying, you know, the, the, the blame game. There, there's something about, there's something comforting about blaming someone else or something else. Because it means that we don't have to change. And I think that's the root of it, is, is change it takes effort. It uh, breaks the mold. And uh, we tend to fight change. And I think someone who is continuously improving and becoming better at whatever their craft or relationship or anything they're doing has to be a student of change. And in order to do that, you have to be very comfortable with failure or the perception what people will tell you failure is. Some people, I genuinely believe, look at failure as an opportunity to improve. Um, and and they, that may sound like a fortune cookie, you know? <laughs> it may sound like a Hallmark greeting card, but you can get there. You can change the mindset over what you can control and if you still fail you can be more okay with it when you know you've done everything you can I think there's a lot of people that have a lot of problem with it because they know they they didn't do everything they could yeah well we've talked about um, mastery and mastering something becoming a master at a task or a skill and how I, I think a lot of times we run into false failure where we think we've failed, but really all we've hit is a plateau where you've learned a whole bunch and you've gotten really good at something or you've gotten a lot better fast at something. And then you hit a plateau and you go a long period of time 
without any improvement and you're practicing and you're trying your best and, and you're not really seeing a whole lot of results and you start to interpret that as, well, this, I, I failed. I'm not progressing anymore. I'm stuck. And other people might even look at that and be like, well, you haven't really moved much since your initial success. It's kind of a failure, you know? But is it? No. It's just a plateau where you've, you need to continue on, keep trying, keep pushing through so that you hit the next surge of success. And that happens in everything you're trying to do, whether it's shooting free throws or becoming a better public speaker or becoming a better parent or family member. Everything you're, you might initially, right when you start off, see drastic improvement. And then it plateaus. And as long as you can look at that and not say, gosh, after I really succeeded, I've, I've kind of fallen backwards and failed. No, you just keep trying, keep pushing through, have the, that perseverance that I think is necessary. Word that comes to mind is resilience, right? Um, a lot of times when we're talking about overcoming failure, it's resilience. And there's this uh, professor at University of Pennsylvania, Angela, Angela Lee Duckworth, and she talks about the, the difference between grit and resilience. Resilience, she describes as being optimistic, bouncing back, overcoming at-risk environments. It's a positive response to failure or adversity. And grit is having resiliency over a long period of time and maintaining focus throughout. So that's how they're, they're similar and they're different, where you can have resilience to overcome things, but make sure that it's durable. Make sure that it's going to last the test of time, that it's not just... Like I said, when you fail, you jump to something else. Yeah, that might be seen as resilience. You're bouncing back. But then how long are you sticking with it? How long are you willing to put into it? How much work are you going to put into it? Or is it just in order to bounce back and be like, oh, no, I'm good. If you stick with it, then you have grit, and then you'll find success. Two, two thoughts come to mind. One, one is you need to have people you can trust, like seriously can trust that can give you feedback, that can share with you and, and almost be a counselor or a sounding board. Hey, you know, and you can share your plans, what you're thinking, or share what went wrong and uh, get ideas. And, and the other thought is there's many ways to learn. Not always do you have to be the one going through the failure. You can learn through others. We, we live in a kind of this information boom era where there are books, there are stories, there are people where you can learn through their journey how to adjust. What we expect to happen does not always happen the way we expect it to happen. And that disconnect, that difference, if it's really, if it's really wide, we call it failure. If it's really small, we kind of compromise and we kind of move around, you know. Oh, but I think as you as you want to improve yourself, as you want to find, you know, find this sense of ownership in life and, and this empowerment when you see all of these situations around you and you cannot control someone else. You can't really change the system. You may not have control over what parents you had or environment you live in or, or even in some cases what race or, or what height what weight you know all of these factors that affect who we are and what what we perceive as our surroundings 
but you can control some things. Focus on what you can control and you'll see there's more within your ability to control and influence than not, you know? And, and I think that's the biggest difference I see between a person who has embraced failure and understands it for what it is and a person who surrenders to it and realizes, you know, life sucks, then you die type of scenario, you know? And, and uh, you know, I, I would encourage everyone to really take the time to think about why are you unhappy? Why did that situation bother you? Why does that make you uncomfortable? Why are you disappointed? Why are you upset that your sibling did this or your husband did this or your boss treats you this way? And, and you know, we're, we're not saying that there aren't situations where maybe the teacher is a bad teacher. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe the boss is a jerk. Maybe the spouse is crazy, you know? That's true, but it's not all that way. There are things you can control, and in some scenarios, you may just have to go into a, you know, impulse power scenario where you're just trying to mitigate damage, you know? And, 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 and in some instances, you know, our ability to learn to cope with disappointment, to cope with failure, to learn what we can and ex express ownership and, and take ownership for what we can control will make a big difference in our attitude, how we feel with ourselves, and even how happy we can be. Um, you know, we, we all love those stories of individuals who went through terrible times, concentration camps, and oh, how could they maintain such a great attitude? and then, and then we we go to a Starbucks and, and uh, our donut's not ready or something and we flip out, <laughs> you know? And oh, it's a Monday, it's a terrible day. Is it really? <laughs> you know? Um, it's funny though, as you talk about, you know, being able to see what influence you have over your own failures or successes, I want to bring up growth and fixed mindsets. This is a, a concept that uh, has been pretty much championed by... Um, a psychology professor at Stanford, uh, Carol Dweck, and she just defines it this way. She says, in a fixed mindset, students believe their basic abilities, their intelligence, their talents are just fixed traits. They have a certain amount, and that's that. And then their goal becomes to look smart all the time and never look dumb. In a growth mindset, students understand that their talents and abilities can be developed through effort, good teaching, and persistence. They don't necessarily think everyone's the same or anyone can be Einstein but they believe everyone can get smarter if they work at it. And I, I think in, in the bigger picture, I mean, she's talking about academically and students and all that. And she, a couple of the studies that they've done, um, they talk about how the effects of poverty has effects on, on academic achievement. Um, and basically, students from a, a, less, a lower income household have less ability for high achievement, where wealthier students have a greater chance of high achievement. But kids from a low-income household with a growth mindset, it almost turns that on its head. Uh, the students that have a fixed mindset, that come from a low-income household, they're basically like, this is my lot in life, this is where I've been given, 
and I'm stuck here and there's nothing I can do about it. But students from a, that have a growth mindset look at it and they say, this may be where I started, but if I work hard, if I pay attention, if I learn what I need to learn, I can do anything. Um, they, they actually overcome the data, right, that indicates that they shouldn't be successful, and they are. And the other study that she did was about um, parents and their views on failure actually have an effect on their children's views on their own intelligence. So essentially parents who see failure as debilitating focus on children's performance and ability rather than on their children's learning and on and their children in turn tend to believe that intelligence is fixed rather than malleable. That I'm smart or I'm not and that's all there is to it. If my parent says I've failed then that's, that's the most I can ever do, you know. A question I'd have for you is how does this growth and fixed mindset translate to the average person? Um, you know, what, what does it look like? What does it look like for an individual who has a fixed mindset and is not happy at work? You know, that's employment satisfaction is a huge thing, you know. Most, almost everyone feels they're not paid enough. <laughs> they're not appreciated enough, and their boss sucks, but somehow, you know? I, I think it's, it becomes less internal and more external for them. It becomes less, what can I do to change that? What can I do to change my habits or my performance to either get promoted or be available for a new job? And it's more like, the system needs to take care of me. Well, the system won't take care of you. I mean, let's just, let's be honest. It's very rare that the system comes in and says, you know what, you're average, your performance is below par, but it's okay. You seem generally unhappy every day. Right yeah, now. you're pretty much just a grouch all the time and you seem very unmotivated, but we're going to promote you because we feel like you deserve it too. And, the, and, and that will make you happy, right? You know? <laughs> that rarely, I mean, maybe in some instances it has happened that it's like, hey, we see that you're dissatisfied and here's some changes we are going to make in the system to improve general satisfaction but I think someone with a fixed mindset expects that and waits for that to happen rather than saying I'm going to take charge of this my life sucks right now I don't like my job I don't like this or that and I'm going to do whatever I can to improve that okay so how do you light that fire how do you create that mind spark where you change that view and do something different I think, like Philly was saying a while ago, it takes someone that you trust and respect kind of being honest with you and saying you're your own barrier. Yeah, I think, I think for me, in, in times in my life when I've made drastic changes, I hit this point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know? For me, I'm, I, I learn in a way that I've tried everything. <laughs> Is that why you dyed your hair blue? <laughs> no, but but I think, you know, I, I would say to the average person, I say, try something different. Try it for 30 days. The only motivation that is lasting is internal. Well, I think that in, in my own experience in viewing others and in myself, there's basically three ways it can happen. Either someone tells you, you know, you're stuck and you're never going to be moving on until you make these changes, someone you trust and respect, or you just have an epiphany one day and wake up and say, 
like you said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I'm going to make changes or something catastrophic happens in your life that causes number two to happen, right? There's some catastrophe in your life that makes you wake up and say, what am I doing? Where am I going with this? You know, and unfortunately, uh, that's probably the worst of the three (laughs) scenarios because it's usually something very impactful that makes you have to change. But kind of going back to um, the workplace satisfaction and and even I think it as a student, it, it can apply to really anything. Um, a way to know what to do, what changes to make, and to be motivated is to look at the people who are being successful. Look at the people who are succeeding, who are moving forward and progressing. And when you see what they're doing, you don't have to become them because you're an individual, but look at what are their habits? What are they doing that's being rewarded, right? What kind of behaviors are they exhibiting that people want to foster and want to reward? And then start doing that yourself. Yeah. And I also think along those lines is consider for yourself when you're, when you're starting a new endeavor, when you're analyzing your goals, what is your success criteria? And is it meaningful enough for you to do whatever you have to to meet it? And for example, for you, it may just be, I need to pass this class. That's my goal. To set one, you know, if it's, if it's something difficult, that's okay. It doesn't have to be, I want to be valedictorian. It could be, I need to just get through this class. Because this is a stepping stone to where I want to go. And, and that's okay. And if that's your goal and you, and you barely pass, that's not failure. You've executed what you were, were, went out to do. I think the, the, the comparison and the thinking that we all have to have these perfect ideal scenarios and these perfect outcomes is unrealistic. And I would mention one more thing. I think in the, in the realm of friendship and relationship and social interactions, it's important to know what are your expectations, yourself first. Know yourself, know what you expect, and communicate those. I've seen a lot of people in friendships and and relationships of people that struggle because both individuals have vastly different expectations and they're unwilling to just be honest about it. You know, and I think you can you can play a, a crazy game going around finding symptoms to be upset about. And you never get down to what are your actual expectations, you know. And even in a job, as you as you enter a job, and maybe you said in the interview, oh, you know, I just need a job to get me through school, and that was your expectation, and that job did that. But now your situation has changed. Maybe you're scared to move on. Maybe you realize this is my career. I I'm comfortable here. You need to have a, a truthful moment with yourself and also communicate those expectations. Your boss may be thinking, he's just here and moving on with his plans and thinking, I'm gonna promote someone else, this guy's just here for school. There, there's a lot that I see in non-communicated expectations and people leaving a lot of things to assumptions that sets you up for a lot of failure or disappointment when it doesn't come to fruition. 
But in my mind, there's two different kinds of failure, right? We have failure where it is your fault, right? Where you set some expectation for yourself. Biggest one, maybe, you know, being more active, getting fit, losing some weight. And then what you do, you, you just go home, you sit on the couch, you watch TV, you play games and stuff like that. You've failed the system, right? You have failed your expectation. But then there's other times where failure is acceptable, where you're doing something for the very first time. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. Exploratory investigation and failure. And you do it and you fail and you turn around and as quick as you can, you learn, you study the results and then you get back on your feet and you try it again or you try to get there a different way, but you keep the same expectation or lower it a little or raise it a little, but there has to be a change. You have to do something. And, and you have to adjust as you go. You can find information, gather data, find information. What have other people done? What has worked for them? What kind of plans are already made out there? What seems like something that I can do? And I think that, that I think that's my biggest impression in this topic is failure is only final if we say it is I, I think also you know I, I don't want to get philosophical on <laughs> too much on this but but you have to understand what's the purpose of your life um, is it just to 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 be born to meet a number of society imposed checklists of items deemed as successes and then to die or are you on a journey to discover the best of yourself you know I, I think you know we we the people that embrace a growth mindset or embrace continuous improvement or embrace a, a, a life on the road to mastery mastery of self mastery of in, in discipline are people who are okay with failure they expect it and I and I think that's if, if life were for example a video game and we could say you know what in this video game there is no failure if you fail you fail and some people approach life that way that every failure is a tally mark on some sort of naughty list where Chris, where Santa Claus ain't coming to your house, right? And other people look at every failure means you tried something and you went out there and got yourself dirty and you learned something. And the more you do that, the more you grow, the more resilient you, you become, and it becomes a new normal, you know? Take someone who's petrified at public speaking their first public speaking assignment is probably gonna be really rough and really bad and the second one may not be much better and the third one maybe this time you didn't cry and sweat all over the place and the fourth one you may have actually made some sort of sense about the actual topic you were meant to talk about and the fifth one it actually went worse than the first one you know but at some point, you will get better. It will improve. And that is the miracle of all of us as humans. Our minds, our bodies, we're very resilient. 
and we're adaptable. Well, even even if on the sixth and the seventh you do get better at public speaking and you're still uncomfortable and you're like, you know what, I've tried this. I've done this multiple times. I've tried changing different things. You know, I know I now can do it because I've done it multiple times, but this just isn't for me. But now you can say that and you can feel that there's an accomplishment there, that you've actually reached something and you're like, well, I've I've done it and I know I can do it. it's, it was uncomfortable, but I accomplished it. I accomplished that, what I was going to do, and now I can move on. But too many people are so intolerant of failure that after the first or second try, they get embarrassed. And they're like, I'm, I'm done. I'm never going to put myself through this again. I think we live in a culture where failure is a bad word. Because I think it goes back to our childhood that it means that we're at fault. It's something It's our fault, and we failed. Well, it's, but I, it's not aided by the consumer society we have. A, a call fails, we freak <laughs> out. A call fell three times on my Sprint phone, I'm changing the Verizon. And it's like, do you understand the miracle of that phone and the fact that it works 99% of the time? This episode is brought to you by Verizon. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, is when we talk about success, it's addictive. And if I share something that I succeeded in, then you want to share something. Oh, well, I succeeded in this. Well, you you succeeded in this, and, and we one-up each other, what, kind of, But right? what if you're in a spot where you haven't achieved anything yet? Mm-hmm. What if you're that guy that's like, it's they're the going around the room, it's coming around to you, and you're like, I haven't, I'm on, I'm on the way, but I haven't done it yet. And they get to you, and what are you, what have you done? And you're like, uh... Then you feel like a failure. Right, you but, feel like. But this is this is the crazy thing. I've noticed in conversations that if I share something that I failed at, the next person will share something they failed at, and the next person will share something they failed at, and it gets really comfortable to start sharing things that they failed at and try to one up each other on failures. But then, what do we do with those failures? Those little stories that we share and stuff like that. What's our instinct for that person? Don't we want to turn around and say, it's okay? Yeah. Just like our parents used well, to do. It's also kind of like... Or our teachers. Rather, I mean, I don't want to discount sharing successes because it can encourage others to continue trying. But when you start being as open and honest enough to be able to share where you've failed or where you've fallen short, other people start to see you as more human and can identify with you more and can say, oh... Well, that person, even though I still admire them, or I still at least respect them, um, they're human, and they also have failed at stuff, and it creates a a more of a bond, I guess. Think about um, two two training methods. One is is a trainer who gives you a book and tells you the correct way of doing it, and the second one is more of a mentor who sits with you and says, "Hey." You want to be careful when you put your hand here because look at my finger. It's gone. I did this and I thought it was okay. And they share from actual experiences. And I think true teachers are able to look at the individual and adjust the message, you know, and, and share their own personal experiences on what was their journey of learning this task or mastering this thing. 
You know, look at how happy you are when you see a child grow and learn something. You know, I, I have my boy and he finally, he can make himself an egg and toast. And almost every morning he wakes up and he says, hey, can you watch me make an egg and toast? And then he makes it and he's totally happy. And I'm happy because I don't have to make him an egg and toast. <laughs> he can do it himself. But if you were to tell that child when he's not ready to learn that task, hey, you need to do this, and every time he does it wrong, you're all over it, you're going to discourage his desire to learn, to create, to, to try things. And I think for us it's important to understand failure is not terrible. It's not a bad thing. It's important to have the correct expectations. It's important to have the correct success criteria. And it's also important to support those around us that are trying to succeed and change things and enable them to say, hey, you know what? That did suck. What are you gonna do different? What are you thinking? You know, if I were you, I would have done this. Or that's similar to when I did this. And kind of share our vulnerabilities and, and let people know that we're human too. We failed at things. And I think the more we do that together, the more it will become okay. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The MindSpark Podcast and on Twitter at The MindSpark, where we post articles, photos, quotes, and look for the link to the podcast in the description. Be kind, rewind. Thank you, Hollywood Video or Blockbuster. Both are out of What if you had to rewind digital files? Oh. Mm. Every movie we watch. I mean, we had to do it before, so I guess it wouldn't really be that different. Did you know there's still, like, two Blockbusters open? They're in Alaska. They haven't gotten the news up yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while. It's the one place but, Netflix can't get to. But we love Alaska and the people who might listen to this that are there.